everyone. Welcome back to the Silly Curious Podcast. I'm Garrett, and I created this show to combine silliness and curiosity to make us all a little bit happier and inspire us to want to learn more. My goals for the show also include reducing our collective stress and anxiety. I talk to so many people that struggle with anxiety or other mental health issues, and as I've mentioned on the show before, I've battled anxiety for over 15 years. Several years back, I had panic attacks that sent me to the emergency room. Mostly, though, I battle anxiety in my day-to-day life and try to find ways to be happy and relax. I work a lot to deal with my anxiety, which makes sense because I think we are constantly bombarded with messages that we need to be more productive, need to grind and hustle, and need to be constantly making more and more money. If I'm not working myself to death, I beat myself up and call myself lazy. So then I get anxious when I'm not working. I have very similar experiences related to my health and fitness routine. In one of the first episodes of the podcast, I sat down with my sister to try to understand why I'm always so focused on trying to be healthy. I am constantly trying to eat healthy foods, even when I really want some chips or milk chocolate or ice cream. I'm always thinking about my workouts and how hard I can push my body. I feel guilty when I don't work out or when I eat junk food. I'm the crankiest baby when I get sick, mostly when I'm too sick to run and lift weights. Like when I'm not working, I feel lazy and irresponsible when I'm not working out every day. I think my anxiety related to working out started about 10 years ago. I started a job as an insurance salesman at the time. I had met some guys who sold insurance and they were making a ton of money, driving BMWs and living in fancy houses. They told me it was hard work and I'd have to face a lot of rejection, but that the more I put into it, the more money I would make. I set up an interview, but I didn't have a properly fitting suit. So I went to Macy's where the salesman told me I looked terrific in an overpriced charcoal Ralph Lauren suit I ended up buying. I paid like 600 bucks for a suit that was worth maybe 200. I overpaid not wanting to delay a chance to interview. Since companies generally hire anyone with a heartbeat for commission-only sales roles, I of course got the job. I was thrilled. I couldn't wait to be rich. I was working my ass off, calling everyone I could think of, trying to pitch them insurance. I even lingered around the hospital cafeteria looking for prospective residents to turn into clients. Everyone at work drank a lot of beer, so I quickly ramped up my booze intake to fit in and gain 10 pounds before training was even over. On one of the first days after training, I was making calls and getting rejected in my cubicle when the ass of my brand new expensive Ralph Lauren suit ripped wide open beyond repair. I'd already started to gain some office weight. Over the months, I was gaining a lot of weight, but not a lot of clients. I ended up gaining about 50 pounds in a little over a year. The more weight I gained and the more I drank, the more stressed and depressed I I became. One morning, I was meeting friends from work to go to a baseball game, and I had to run to Walmart to buy a cheap pair of Wrangler jeans because I had gained so much weight that none of my jeans fit me anymore. I was starting to feel pretty bad about my weight, and I was having heartburn for the first time in my life. That winter, I went to Florida to meet my family, and they still joke that they saw this fat guy waddling toward them on the beach and didn't know who it was. My mom was like, that's Garrett. 
My dad was like, no, it isn't. It was about this time that I decided to lose some weight, but I was almost 30 years old at the time, and although that is still young, it's a lot harder to get in shape than when you're 22 and can work out for a week before spring break and show up to the party looking like a model. I worked out regularly and ate green smoothies for breakfast. No matter what people on TV tell you, they really aren't that good. Eventually, I stopped drinking. I worked out more. Over the next year, I lost about 30 pounds. It was pretty brutal and painful. I made myself go to bed hungry often. I drank tea and took baths while my friends were at the bar. It took a few years and a lot of setbacks to lose about 40 pounds. I promised myself I would never let myself get out of shape again. And so far, I've been obsessive and compulsive enough to make that happen. I even lost another 15 pounds. My experiences have made me really interested in why so many of us are obsessed with our weight, with our health, with optimizing our bodies, and even with working so much in general. Vitamins, gym memberships, salads, tennis shoes, smoothies, calorie counters, fitness apps. We spend our time thinking about our health and surround ourselves with technologies that supposedly help us improve our bodies. I've been trying to learn about all these things because I'm hopeful that if we understand these issues more, then we will be able to reduce our collective stressing out over our lives and bodies. So today, I'm sitting down with Professor Pompeius Bagawind. Dr. Bagawind is a professor of kinesiology at Carnegie Mellon University. Kinesiology is the study of human movement. Dr. Bagawind studies the social and cultural factors that, that influence the ways we all move in our day-to-day lives. And so this research seems very relevant to some of the questions I have about my own relationship to exercise and fitness. I'm very excited to, to welcome Dr. Bagawind to the studio. Dr. Bagawind, welcome to the Silly Curious Podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the chance to come on the show. I'm very grateful and really thankful to share my extensive research on human movement as it pertains to the social and cultural context wherein people come to move their bodies. Okay, well, let's get it. My work demonstrates that movement is more than mere physical phenomenon, I'm but sure also listeners... a psychological and social process as well. Let me cut in here. I think the listeners may be interested in just in hearing a little bit more about your, your professional background. Oh, yes. My training is extensive. I've studied at Oxford. I received my PhD from Harvard. Wonderful. Let's I've had talk about Fulbright your Fellowships, Ford Fellowships, Mellon Fellowships, and many more fellowships. I'm currently on faculty at Carnegie Mellon University. My work truly is quite renowned. I've won various awards and been recognized by many national and international organizations. Okay, just let me get in here for a minute. Your most widely read work argues that our social environment plays a key role in shaping if and how we exercise. What does it mean when you say the social environment shapes how we move? Oh, yes. Put simply, the chances of us exercising and the types of exercise we do are shaped completely by our social environment. If you live in a hunting and gathering society, for instance, 
you won't likely have a gym membership. <laughs> My students like that wisecrack. Okay, I think another that makes example. Sense. If you were born just fifty years ago, you wouldn't have the same technologies or gym equipment. So your exercise routines would be completely different. Got it. I'm so trying to understand. I contend that it is the social and cultural aspects of movement that are understudied and underappreciated. People think that it is just physiological and psychological processes. Can I jump that in? Shape movement, but it is so much more than that. Even social norms play an enormous role in shaping movement. The power of norms is profound. I hear what you're saying, but don't physical and psychological factors play a role, though? I mean, there is some truth to say that fitness is a mindset or that our bodies are meant to move around. I mean, every Instagram meme I see these days says those types of things. Oh, yes. Our bodies are meant to move around. In fact, certain social environments are the reason we don't move around so much. Take the office, for instance. People get paid to sit around all day in their cubicles and make money for the fat cap corporate devils. The whole situation just proves my point even more. It is the social situation that determines if people move or not. As to your second question... Of course, psychological factors play a role. People do often have mindsets that encourage them to exercise or, on the contrary, to sit on the couch and eat a bag of potato chips. <laughs> Makes sense, but I'm not sure I understand. But where do these mindsets come from, I ask you? I argue that the social and cultural environments are important in shaping these mindsets. Things such as social norms direct people's thinking and therefore their behaviors. I really do think the more I hear my own voice say all this, that movement is primarily a social process. In my experience, I've noticed norms a lot of people... tell people how they should behave. They are ingrained all through society. We have been a free liberal country here in the United States for a long time. So this means that people have a personal responsibility to take care of themselves. But we have certain expectations on how people should behave. So you aren't free to do whatever you want willy-nilly. Our social norms require that you get a job and maintain good health. The onus falls on you. If you don't keep up your health, you end up in the hospital bankrupt and dead. There is no health care for you. If you don't get a job, maybe you even be poor or live on the street. There aren't programs to help. The norms are embedded in the way the government runs. The programs are designed to put the onus for health and well-being on the individual. People need to go out and get their own health care. They need to get themselves up off the couch and exercise. They need to do this because the norms say people should be healthy and productive. Of course, it doesn't have to be this way. But this is our social context. It is the social and cultural factors that determine how we move. So, Dr. Bagelman, Because we are expected in? to behave in these ways, we get jobs or gym memberships. 
So, Dr. Bagawind, I've noticed more and more people pushing their bodies to extremes. People are not just getting gym memberships or one job anymore. People are working several jobs, side gigs, hustling, and they're getting really fit. They're doing CrossFit, running marathons, going to extremes with their diets to try to get healthy. Is this at all related to the norms you're talking about? Well, of course. It is no longer normal to be average. The new norms require you to constantly try to optimize your body. If you are not trying to improve yourself, then you are lazy or maybe a millennial. (laughs) Since no one wants to be called lazy, people are in constant competition to make the most money or be the healthiest. I can relate to that. Of course, health can be defined in different ways. But people are expected to conform to current definitions, which privilege leanness, positivity, and, of course, lots of movement. It all, of course, comes back to movement. And I argue it is the social and the cultural aspects of movement that are underappreciated, under-researched, underfunded, and under-analyzed. Dr. Bagawind, thank you for your time today. You certainly have a lot to say. Oh, yes. I've been studying the social dimensions of movement for over 30 years. It is certainly interesting how social and cultural factors shape the ways we move and behave. I find it utterly fascinating to think that the ways economies and governments or buildings and cities are organized shapes if and how people move around. For instance, some cities are more pedestrian-friendly, and this is shown to encourage people to walk and move more often. It is truly fascinating. My work is renowned and very important. I think we're out of time. Thank you for coming in. Yes, I'm glad I was able to share my important research with you and your listeners today. I'm sure you all found it fascinating and informative. It truly is important research. And please feel free to attend my lectures and read my many research papers. My papers are published in top journals, as you would expect, because I made such an impact discussing the social and cultural dimensions of movement. In particular, the historical, social, and cultural normative expectations that determine the ways we move and behave. You can read all about this in many, many publications. Yeah, enough already. Can someone cut this guy's mic? After talking with Dr. Pompeius Bagawind, I realized it's hard to know when my pursuit of health is of my own free will or when social pressures and norms are shaping what I do. But I don't know that it matters. I think we should probably just try to do what feels good and listen to our bodies. You definitely shouldn't feel pressured to look or act in a certain way. In fact, it seems to me that the new norm of pushing ourselves to extremes is causing a lot of problems. People are consuming too much, working too hard, and stressing out all the time as they try to keep up with everything. Maybe it's time to slow down and start really focusing on what's going to make us happy as individuals. I can't change the norms and social pressures bearing down on me, telling me I'm lazy and irresponsible if I'm not working or exercising. Many people claim this is the land of the free, but after he droned on enough, 
Professor Bagawind convinced me that no one is free from social context and social pressure. In our society, we are expected to behave in certain ways, get a job, produce something that makes a profit, and stay healthy. If we don't, we are punished with huge medical bills or homelessness. If that wasn't enough, if you fail to conform, people call you lazy or dumb. This doesn't seem like a very inclusive place to live from my point of view. The Silly Curious Project is all about trying to find and spread some happiness while contemplating the silly and curious topics such as our collective obsession with good health. Our goals are to build community and to reduce our collective stress and anxiety. You can learn more about the project at curiositiespodcast.org. And please be sure to send Dr. Bagawind and I your thoughts on this episode and your perspectives on our collective pursuit of good health and fitness. While you're over at curiositiespodcast.org, check out the Silly Curious post and share your idea if you'd like to share or contribute to our blog and join our community as a founding member for even more perks. We have certain unalienable rights, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of healthiness.